You are listening to The Cumberland Road, and I'm your host, TJ Melanoski. The following is a faith conversation with Jessica Neese, a newly ordained elder and a new mother, and she pulls me into her life sphere with an amazing, challenging, and transformative journey over the last several months. I am inspired by Jessica's fortitude, her wit, and openness. She speaks of her faith, her life, and motherhood with honesty and strength. I hope her journey encourages you as well. So now, my friend, enjoy this faith conversation with Jessica Neese. Jessica, you and your family have a recent happening, a joyous happening, in addition to your family. So you have a new baby. So tell me more about Iris and what it's like to be a new mom. Oh, boy. Well, it's definitely exciting. It's something we've waited a long time for. Um, She's different every single day. I think I have her figured out, and then she doesn't like that. And I'm like, well, you locked it yesterday. You locked it five minutes ago. Why do you not like it now? <laughs> and uh, so that's that's something I'm adapting to. Um, I'm one that locks my sleep. Mm-hmm. So the first, you know, month and a half, I was just like, oh, my Lord, how am I going to do this? Get me through this. What in the world? So now, luckily, she just wakes up once and my husband gets up with her. Wow. Okay. So I get to sleep because <laughs> I'm a better person. <laughs> I do not do well without sleep. Um, but no, she's everybody is so in love with her. She uh she's the very first grandchild on my husband's side, you know, for his parents. He's the only child. And um, so they're obviously like super in love with her. Just what is she doing? Send me pictures. They just love her. And uh my dad, he has eight, so it's which grant he still loves her to pieces, you know, but he loves them all. But yeah, it's it's definitely a lot different on the Corbin side versus my side. <laughs> well, uh, Iris is the newest grand one, uh, grandchild for uh, your dad and your mom. So the newest one, you know, still has that new smell. So that makes that makes her yeah, the favorite. My, uh, my stepsister, she, um, I guess they're about a couple months apart. Um, she actually had twin girls right after me. Oh, so we added three new girls just like boom within like a couple months of one another. Oh my goodness. So what, a, what is a family meal going to be like when you have a big get together? Uh, we'll probably just go to the church. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody has a house big enough for all of us now. <laughs> okay. So Iris has, she'll have playmates and competition, at least in terms of the newest grandchildren in the family. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> So what has Iris taught you about yourself, about being a mom, about being a parent? Um, that you may say you're not going to do something, but you're absolutely going to do it. You may say they're not going to watch Cocoa Melon, but they're going to watch Cocoa Melon. <laughs> <laughs> Even so, at four months old. <laughs> you're so wise already. She's training you. <laughs> I'm not going to do that with my kid. Oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> Jessica, how does your faith 
how does that speak to you? Just being, being a new parent, adding a new member to your family, having your routine turned upside down, being shaped all over again. Well, um, it's definitely, um, something I'm thankful for, you know, considering we waited so long to have her. I just, I find myself just like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful to get to be her mom. Um, I get emotional just thinking about it. <laughs> but um, we're like to church a lot. I found that. So that's a little different. You know, sometimes we're just there for the the message. Um, no singing, no nothing. 15, 20 minutes late, rolling in, whatever. <laughs> um, so that's new for our routine. Normally we're 10 minutes early at least, and now we're, you know, 20 minutes late. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it'll, it'll test you being a new parent for sure. You know, you don't think you can do it certain things and somehow you just do it. I don't know. You just don't have a choice. You have to keep her alive, you know, you can't kill her or nothing. Right. right. You gotta feed her. <laughs> you can't just not. <laughs> Is there any particular scripture or your relationship with God that really helps you get through those moments that are, stressful, um, that are trying that just kind of stretch you. I know I'll give you a chance to think about it by providing some commentary. I know, uh, with, with us, when we were new parents, there was that lack of sleep, but then there was like a simple trip to the store required so much planning and packing. There isn't just grab the keys and get into the vehicle there's so much more to it than that. So in those moments, great and small, um, what is it about your faith that just keeps you grounded? I just, I I pray a lot in my head, I feel like, but I don't even realize I'm doing it. I'm just like, just get me through this. Just get us home. Please just, Lord, just make her stop crying. Just make her stop. Don't let her cry. Just let her sleep. Just, Just keep her asleep somehow. And, uh, but I'm just like, there's no, you know, late night rides to Taco Bell anymore. There's no, <laughs> let's just hop in the car and go. Right. And it's gotten better now the diaper bag just stays kind of packed and we just throw a little bit of formula in there and mm. some hot water and we're good. But, um, before it was like a whole event. I mean, it was like something at the Olympics. Like, did you get her blanket? Did you get her passy? Do you have a passy clip? Do you have, it was a lot. And yeah. I was just like, goodness, I don't care if I go anywhere anymore. I'll just stay home. <laughs> I just, uh, I definitely, I've always tried to pray, probably not the world's greatest at it. Um, but now I find that in my little head, it's just constantly this terrible. Just if she coughs, even if she coughs, oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Lord, don't let her be sick. <laughs> right. And, and, the, and then the inverse, like if, you or Corbin, your husband coughs, oh, please don't let it wake her or please don't let us get her sick. So there's that fear as well. Just being a new parent, regardless of how many children you you may have, it's just like, uh, but yeah, I I remember, you know, even, even how you walk through the house, (laughs) if the newborn is sleeping, you know, Maybe I should take my shoes off on the hardwood floor. Or <laughs> yeah. It's funny you say that because we live in a home that was built in the early 60s. It's a fixer-upper. And, um, her little room, I've learned 
like it's almost like I'm a superhero or something. I jump around in our room because there's certain parts of the floors that doesn't squeak and you cannot shut the door all the way because it's loud. It's like very tight fitting and so it like squeaks. And uh, so I'm like, gosh, so I stay over here. I stay over there when I put her down for a nap and hopes that she just doesn't wake up. I know exactly what you're talking about. The house that we're in now, there's certain steps on the staircase and (laughs) there's one or two that um, you have to like jump over. And then there's some other ones where you have to step on certain corners of the steps so they don't creak just to, to keep those volumes down because the, the resting for the child is important, but it's also for the parent parents as well. It's just like, ah, oh, yeah. Just let me fold this laundry. Let me flip the laundry. Right. I need to wash your bottles because there's none clean for you to eat out of. Like, right. <laughs> it, it's challenging, and that's why I asked how your faith speaks to you, uh, because you, you can get into projects like that. You know, the simple routines and and the chores that need to get done. And sometimes they get interrupted by life, you know, and what you started, you may not be able to finish, whether it's a dishwasher for folding clothes or putting on one shoe and and have to carry the other one, all those different things. It's very jarring. And I'm just wondering how your relationship, you know, with Christ can keep us centered. And that's why I wanted us to begin kind of that conversation, the joy of having a child, the challenges of being a parent, and where faith plays into that. I, um, I found I'm very hard on myself when it comes to certain things. I feel like this, I'm a stay-at-home mom now. Um, I left my job, you know, uh, I guess a little over a year ago um, now. And uh, so I feel like this house needs to not have a speck of dust because like I'm here (laughs) and I'm just hard on myself. If the laundry is, you know, starting to pile up a little bit, like I'm just like, Oh my goodness. So I've had to give myself a lot of grace. And the only way I've been able to do that is to just ask God to help me because I will drive myself crazy. Like I lay there in bed at night and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to do this. I need to clean out this closet. I need to do her laundry. You know, this needs to be mopped. The floors haven't been mopped in a week and a half. Like it's filthy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really not. And uh, my husband's really good about telling me it's okay. It's not, our house isn't dirty. It's fine. He's, He's really good about helping me with it, even though he's very busy himself. So. It's good to have a friend and a helpmate and a spouse to balance those things out because, you know, there's, well, somebody might disagree with this. There's no shame of pulling out some clean clothes and putting a mama out of the dryer. What rule is there that says it has to be out of a drawer or off of a hanger? I know, and I think it's just me looking past judgment, I guess, of other people or (laughs) other moms. I feel like they have it all together and I'm just over here like... I can't see our our dining room table. Like, what is all this on it? Because <laughs> that's where we come to when we come in is right to that dining room table. So anything gets thrown on it. So I just, I don't know. I've just learned to give myself a lot of grace. Good. And I would not be able to do that without God, that's for sure. And I think Iris, she will be a good teacher. She'll help you let go of some of those things. There will be some new things coming about. 
especially mm-hmm. when she becomes mobile. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, you've had another exciting um, and recent happening for for you and, and for your family. Uh, the Tennessee Farm Bureau named your farm an Achievement Award this year for young farmers. So let's talk about that for a minute. What is it and what that means and the excitement that comes with it? Um, I don't think a lot of people know um, how broad, I guess you could say, Farm Bureau is. It's not just, you know, home insurance or whatever, life insurance. It's they really have um, a community um, that I didn't know that they had. So the way the process works is um, my husband, Corbin, he sits on the Farm Bureau Board of Clark County for Young Farmer um, and Rancher. That's what the program's called um, now. And uh, he had to fill out a lengthy, lengthy, very detailed application, very personal application about um, our farm and, you know, his farm, even when he was 18, before we were married. And he sent it in and basically judges select so many. And I feel like um, I'm not really 100% sure, but I think that anybody that does an application gets to kind of go. But, you know, there's only X amount that makes certain tears. Um, so back in July, we went to um, the Young Farmer and Rancher Conference, the summer conference. Um, and before that, earlier, it might have been earlier July, yes. And then I think it was like July 15th, we went and, um, but they came out to the farm earlier, like I was saying, and uh, did a whole video um, on our uh, production, our um, poultry houses, our road crop. They haven't looked at our soybeans. Did a whole video and interviewed Corbin. Um, and it was really, really good. And uh, they showed it, you know, at the conference and everything. That was the first time we had seen it. They made us do all these funny TikTok dances. That was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> um, didn't know that was coming. Um, but anyway, um, he made top 10. Um, but then he, um didn't get our district so we're district five um a young woman got it um who does some great stuff with her farm but um we plan to run again together as a couple in 2023 and it's it's pretty intense the interview process from what he said I didn't get to go in that room with him but I could just tell like when he came out he was not expecting it to be so intense I don't think like it's it's something, and there's a lot of things that they do, um, fall tours, you go on tour farms, and we get together and went to a Carver's Apple Orchard here in Cosby um, not long ago with our district, and mm-hmm. it's it's a good community. It's a good thing to be involved in. I'm definitely proud of him for, he didn't even think he was going to make top 10. I remember sitting there in that big room, and um, they got to District 5, and uh, they said his name first and he was holding our daughter Iris and just the look on his face like whoa like oh my gosh that's my name <laughs> and he got, you know goes up there and gets his picture made and then goes and gets his interview time for the next morning but I'm definitely proud of him it's an accomplishment and he's he's grown his family's farm tremendously since he's 
became an adult. Yeah, and congratulations. And and he did win um, an achievement award for uh, Cock County. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he is Cock County's young farmer. Yeah. The so, year, so you returned home not empty-handed, and and gosh, being top ten is that's pretty fantastic as well. Yeah, yeah I'm definitely proud of him. Everybody is. So let's talk a minute for uh, about your farm. You've you've got hay and forage crops. You have chickens, cattle. Um, what else? I mean, this is a full-fledged farm. So pretend that like I. And anybody who's listening, which you don't have to pretend because that's reality, you know, what does your farm look like? What is it? What does a typical day consist of farming there uh, in Cock County? Um, well, now that we've had IRS, it's a little bit different. Um, we're, we're very blessed to both be 25 and be self-employed and be able to spend time with her, her not have to go to daycare, stay with a family member all the time. Um, and so if he wakes up and wants to spend a little extra time with her, he doesn't have to hurry up and get out the door every morning, um, which we're thankful for that. But a typical day generally consists of him now more so. I, I would go with him every day before she came along, but mm-hmm. um, go check on our um, our chickens, um, make sure the computers are running right, that there's good airflow and we have to walk the dead every day. So uh, pick up the dead, tally it up, you know, mm. that sort of thing. Um, and then depending on what season it is, the rest of the day is kind of in the wind right now. Harvest has just kicked off. Um, so he's actually out right now um, doing corn. So they're combining corn. Um, I helped with one of our lease properties a few weeks ago, um, get it up of corn. And so it's kind of a slow go. Um, not every field is ready yet, but, uh, there'll be a lot of late nights for him coming up, just trying to get it done. Um, we're not a huge farm, but, uh, we're enough to, to stay pretty busy. Um, yeah, you say you're not a huge farm, but we were talking off mic. I was asking you about, uh, I was exposing my ignorance of what a com- uh, commercial boiler house is. And how many chickens, again, do you raise per season? If I'm not mistaken, so we get five or six grow outs or flocks a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think total we have three um, houses um, or barns or very very long um there was four originally on the farm but before we bought the farm um one of them actually burnt down um so we have three like I said and um I completely forgot what we were even talking about how many chickens you raise oh yeah I was like, that's mom brain for you. That's quite all right. I think there's 87,000, I think, total out of, you know, all three. Um, yeah. And so they come in in these little trays, um, 100 chicks per tray stacked up, and we have to dump them out ourselves. And then they're there for 43 days, and there's a crew that comes in and catches them in the middle of the night, and off they go. And we have to get the houses ready for the next go around. 
How about uh, the hay and the forage and the row crops? Uh, what do you guys grow and where does it go? Um, so my father-in-law, he's more into the hay, in my opinion. <laughs> he hmm. really enjoys it. Um, and we we sell um, most of it. He has several clients, quote unquote, quote that buys it. Um, but my husband actually started the row crop himself. Um, so he's first generation when it comes to that, fifth generation farmer for his family. Um, but I remember kind of a backstory here. So um, he graduated from Walter State in like the fall semester. And I don't remember the dates, but it was a Friday night. And that fall, that next Sunday, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just right then after church, um, he went to Archibald, Ohio and bought his very first combine and the rest is history from there but um he started off just real small I mean a hundred and some acres I think and now it's hard for me to keep up but I think we're somewhere around 400 and something um so we do corn and soybeans we have more soybeans than corn um our corn goes to um a guy in, I believe it's North Carolina. Um, he sends trucks down to get it. Um, and then he, he has a business that he, he then sells the corn himself to different places. I think it goes to chicken feed, honestly. Um, and then our beans go to a place called Cargill. Um, and we have contracts with them and we have to fulfill those contracts or whatever when we book the corn and, or soybeans, I think. So in both we have to book it, quote unquote. Um, so that's where it goes. Um, it's used, you know, soybeans are in a lot more than what people think. They're in clothes and it's it's actually amazing to look at it. I didn't realize that. I did not come from a farming background. So this is all new to me. And it's still, I've been with Corbin. This is, we're working on our 10th year between dating and three years of marriage. And I'm still learning stuff every day. And he's so knowledgeable about it. It just some, comes so natural. And I'm just like, what's that called again? Where is it going? <laughs> <laughs> so how did the two of you in in this large operation how do you have time for church we were both raised in church um obviously me being a pk i was definitely involved in church more than the average child um but he was also raised in a luther he was raised in a lutheran church um and so it was just kind of when we started dating in high school when we were 16, he started kind of coming to my church on Sundays, you know, I guess trying to impress me. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> it just kind of, I don't know, we never broke up and he just kept coming. And so now he does, he goes to church um, where I go, Mohawk, come on Presbyterian. And um, it's just something that he knew was very important to me um, was to make time for church. Um, I told him my children would be raised in church. Um, it was important. And we have a thing, you know, if the ox is in the ditch, that's, you know, sometimes he can't make it mm -hmm. if something's wrong <laughs> or if there's a big storm coming in and he needs to get the corn out of the field. Um, but he rarely misses, but that's just something that's important. So we make time for it. It's just something you prioritize a lot of things in your life. And that's just something we, put at the top of it is to make it to church. I just think it's very important. <laughs> Do you think being the preacher's kid that was instilled fairly early? 
Yes, because if I do not go to church on a Sunday, that is the longest week of my life. <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how to really explain it, but like, if I miss church, like it, it feels like, I don't know, 10 years until the next Sunday, I feel like I'm never going to get back to church. <laughs> I mean, granted, that's a little, you know, dramatic, which people say I am, but it just feels like, Lord, gosh we're never going to get back to church. I feel like it's just makes for a long week. I feel like the week doesn't go as smoothly. My routine is off. I just, I didn't get my time. I just did not get my time. <laughs> what do you think that is, you know, not being part of the community of faith? Do you think it's the worship? Is it hearing more of the word in those times that you, you did miss? And then it feels like an eon between the next time you can attend. What do you think's feeding into that? I just think that um, that's just how my body and my mind and, you know, my faith, that's just how I, I, I exercise it in a way, I guess you could say. Um, I love going. Um, granted, I love to hear, you know, my dad, my dad preach and, everything but I've been going to the same church I think for 21 years now he's been there I'm pretty sure it's been 21 years um might be 22 but I think it's 21 (laughs) and so I just I just really I love going and seeing my congregation um they've literally watched me grow up it's Mm -hmm. kind of that thing um there's people you just you don't remember not knowing in life Mm -hmm. And I don't, I always, I've always known them. I feel like I was so young when I started going there. And, and sadly, a lot of them has passed on because we do have a older congregation. Most of them are older. Um, but it's still just, and we might be low in numbers, but I just think our church is special. I don't know. To me, obviously. Little <laughs> biased, but I just think it's special. Um, I just feel at peace. I feel like my week's going to go good. I feel like I'm set. My mind's set for a new week. Um, that marks the end of the past week. If I've had a rough week, it just, and I get to see my dad and I love to see my dad. So, um, and my little niece, Landry Kate, I get to see her and my sister and it's just time for family and fellowship. And I just, I enjoy it. I just always have, I just, I feel like, I just think, I remember growing up and thinking people don't go to church. Like that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) What is it that draws you in into the Christian faith? I mean, I know you grew up in in it, but what is it about being a disciple of Christ that is the biggest blessing? I guess, and I'm, I'm not saying, oh, you pray about it, you get it. That is definitely not the case. Everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, everybody, you just got to have faith. You just got to have faith. But I feel like until you, you, you don't, until you really realize, you know, you know, Jesus is Lord. He's there for you. He's not going to steer you wrong. And you do have that faith. Um, and I, I realized that and learned that at such a young age. And it's just like the drug. I don't know. <laughs> he's like a drug to me. It's just, I know he's going to take care of me. And I just know that I need to do these things and I need to be involved and I need to go to church as much as I can. And I'm not perfect by any means. The Lord knows that. But um, 
do. I mean, I try to be. Uh, <laughs> I do try to be <laughs> on my best behavior just all the time. Um, people say, like, I, I'm not an outspoken person at all, but my face, mm. my face will say it all. <laughs> And my mother-in-law, she gets so tickled at me. (laughs) (laughs) But I just, I think it's just, I was hooked at such a young age at what Mm. Jesus does for us and what he can get you through. And that even though he's, you know, he's not like here, like a physical person, he's not on the other side of the screen like you, he's he's here. You just, you found comfort. And I just, I found that at a young age and I'm just hooked. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's the best way I can describe it. I just, I love the feeling. You know, we, we've been talking about your dad. Your father is Reverend Chris Franklin, and, and he's a Cumberland Presbyterian minister. And um, what what is it like to be a preacher's kid? What is it like to grow up in a household where one of your parents is a minister? Um... <sighs> Well, I know you don't have a reference point, but I mean, do you think it is it great? Is it strange? Is it? I would have not ever changed anything um, about my childhood because when you're little, like you don't sit and think, well, other kids' lives aren't like this, you know, in my head. I don't know. I guess I thought every kid went to Presbytery, you know, fallen spring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't All know. Right. Since you brought that up, I, over the, over the years, um, I enjoy Presbytery. It's one of my favorite things attending, but, but I, watching you as a preteen and into your teenage years, I was always fascinated to, to look around and see this young person at a Presbytery meeting and then General Assembly, you've attended General Assembly more than once. I was a YAD, a youth advisory delegate um, in Florence, Alabama, and then I went to Cali, or Cali, yeah, Cali, Columbia, that's where I went. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I went there. (laughs) Jessica, why, why is there a young Jessica attending Presbytery meeting when you're preteen and teenage years on a Saturday morning? You could have been doing so many other things. I don't want to say like the only thing, because it's definitely not the only reason why, but um, anybody that really knows me knows that like I'm a daddy's girl. I say it could potentially be unhealthy. Like <laughs> it, it could be unhealthy as much as I'm like a daddy's girl. I remember when I first got married, standing there washing dishes and crying because I wasn't at home with my dad. Cause I literally lived in, in his house until the night before my wedding. Um, <laughs> But anyway, because I was homesick and he's just 30 minutes away, but um, I loved being with my dad for one. Growing up, I loved to do anything my dad was doing. Like I just working on cars, mowing the yard, anything my dad was doing, I wanted to do it. And then um, two, I just, I grew up around a lot of the, you know, the fellow pastors and um. I just enjoyed seeing everybody. I I honestly, like, I wish I had a better answer, but I just felt like that's just what I did. I just, oh, yeah, we got to go to Presbytery. Like, I had to be there. Like, it wouldn't go on without me, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, if, 
you definitely encouraged me because it, it was wonderful to see you um, attend Presbytery all the time and of course watch you grow up and and you know that has led into we were talking off mic you've been nominated to be an elder and you're going to be elected and installed did you tell me next sunday this coming sunday yeah this coming whatever day that is i don't even know all right well i'm not (laughs) going to I'm not going to, I don't mean this as in there's a wrong answer, uh, nor is this a quiz, but I do want to ask you, what does it mean to be an elder in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church to you? Well, (laughs) I'm like, well, I wish I knew, but I I know the the gist, you could say. Um, I'm not one, I've never really set in on a session meeting. That's one thing I've always you know, went outside when my dad had to do those, um, mm. you know, they could have their privacy. I kind of know what they do, uh, but I'm still just like, that's just something, I guess it was always in the back of my head that that was a possibility, but I was like, they called me and asked me, and um, I was like, uh, well, sure. Yeah, that sounds good. I don't care. That, that's great. Um, I, I think um every church's session is different um I think obviously larger churches they have different issues or discussions or you know things that need to be talked about um where we are a smaller church you know things funds are limited things like that and I'm I'm really excited to to try to point us in different directions and maybe throw things out there. I already, uh, you know, I've talked about things forever and ever. And I'm like, I tell my dad, I have a list. (laughs) (laughs) Things I want to (laughs) do. If they'll let me, I'll do it. But I just, I'm I'm really excited to experience that because that is something I've never got to, got to experience. I mean, I've, that's probably like, I mean, it's an important role, but I mean, I've done a lot of other stuff like go to Presbytery and General Assembly and, sit in Paul's classes with my dad and all kinds of stuff like that. But I don't really know what to expect. Um, I know they vote and that's all basically I know. <laughs> well, you have some of that background and, and advantage of attending Presbytery, going to General Assembly multiple times. Um, you know, these things will help, help guide you. Jessica, what do you think that you bring as an elder to, to the session and to the life of the church? What gifts do you have that are specific to you that will help the church blossom that community of faith grow spiritually and in their discipleship um i do know that and i i don't think i'm i'm wrong on this but i do believe i'm the youngest elder that i know they've had since my my dad started um mm. you know being a pastor there um I'm not saying because I'm young, I have all this knowledge because obviously I don't know. <laughs> um, they're definitely more knowledgeable, you know, than I am, but I just think I can bring a different side of things. Um, mm. I would love to grow our church. Um, I would love to have a youth group. I would love to, you know, I would love to lead a youth group. Um, but it's just, 
hadn't happened for us yet. <laughs> I've taught Sunday school there and everything with younger kids. Um, but you know, every church probably sees it, it comes and it goes, the kids come and they dwindle. And then it's just kind of something we've always dealt with. But, um, I just think I can, I can bring a little different perspective than, well, this is the way we've always done it. <laughs> and this is why we're doing it this way. And I'm just like, well, you know, it's 2022. Why don't we try it this way? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're right. I think you, you bring your own experiences and your own perspective. And that's advantageous as with any elder when serving the church in that way. It's, it's just another way to serve God and serve God's church. And, you know, it's an honor. It's a mm-hmm. different gift. It's a different type of ministry. And you'll be able to do ministry, well, you have already, but being able to do ministry alongside of your dad as a member of the session. So that's pretty cool, too. Who else besides your dad has helped influence your journey of faith? Goodness. <laughs> I, I could go on and on and on and on. I've just, I'm trying not to like beat a dead horse what they say, but I've been exposed to so many different people in our denomination than the average Joe, the average kid, the average, you know. I mean, yeah. I, I went to pause um, for six summers of my life like that was my vacation I did not go to the beach I went to pause Uh um you know we couldn't pick up and move to Memphis so my dad could go to seminary um we went to pause every summer um so I was able to meet who I believe like some of the best of the best I feel like in the denomination um you know Dr. Tom Campbell he was the director um Mm. all through his last year was like my dad was the last of the, his little group, you know, or his big group, <laughs> but, um, him, uh, Dr. Rustin Haven, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Hester, Tammy Green, even though she wasn't in pause, she was, you know, um, has a big influence on my life. She did mine and my husband's, um, marriage counseling. Um, she directed church camp with me there, bunches of bunches of times I was a counselor alongside of her um I'm on the Camp John Spear board with her on the board of directors now um who else Jamie Lively um he was the director of church camp when I decided I was ready to get saved I remember um goodness I know there's more and I don't want people to think oh well, she left me out but I know there's more I'm just <laughs> Pat Pickett um Pat Pickett I, you know and I think there's so many more it's just those are the ones that like are in the top of my noodle well you've named some wonderful people and you've been influenced by some great people in in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church so you had mentioned uh, making a profession of faith at camp. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Um, where were you? How old were you? What were the circumstances? I've listened to like a lot of your podcasts trying to quote, unquote, prepare for this thing. But, <laughs> <laughs> and because I, I didn't even know it was a thing. And I think it's really awesome. I really do. And um, when I'm, you know, driving equipment or whatever, I've, got my airpods in and i've found that i'm listening to them but anyways besides the point 
It's like a little squirrel there sometimes. Um, <laughs> um, I just remember I was at Camp John Spear. That's one of my favorite places in the world. Mm-hmm. Let me interrupt you. So for context, Camp John Spear, we're in East Tennessee. It's up on a mountain called Viking Mountain. Um, as many camps, rural setting. Um, go ahead, go. I interrupted you. I'm done. Oh, you're fine. No, you're fine. Um, I and but what I was saying about I've listened to these podcasts of yours, and a lot of people I've noticed have said I can't tell you what was said. I can't tell you my age. I can't tell you anything. And that's that's me. I can remember, like I said, Jamie Lively was the director that year. And I remember, you know, the last night of camp, we do the, it's, it's the thing, it's a whole mood, you know, it's just nice, you know, they're just asking you, you know, if you're ready to do this, if you're ready to take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and, and I, this was not my first year at camp, I'm wanting to think I was nine or 10. Mm. I hadn't been going very long. I started when I was eight and buddy, I went all the way through (laughs) and, uh, I just remember going outside and walking out of Fort Plenty. And if anybody's been up there, you know where Fort Plenty is. But, and I just remember sitting there talking to Jamie Lively. And I do not remember a thing we talked about. But I just remember that's when I was like, hey, yeah, I, I'm ready to do this. I just felt it. Mm-hmm. And up there at camp, I'm, you know, going up the hill, I feel like anybody who has love for that camp, it just, it, you have a feeling when you go up there. Like I, it's indescribable. Um, but, and then, and I don't remember if Jamie talked to my dad or if I talked, I don't remember how that went, but of course, you know, he talked to my dad or I talked to my dad and we were going to pause. This was at summer camp. So we were going to pause mm-hmm. and one of my dad's good friends, I call him uncle Andy, but it's Andrew Ward and he lives, um, in Nashville. And, uh, anyway, they went through pause together and me and his kids, you know, ran around together, but, he uh, read a bunch of scripture with me and we went over a bunch of things and, um, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And then we um, scheduled a baptism at church several, you know, a few months later. Um, my dad was not ordained at the time, so my dad was not able to, you know, baptize me, but we got somebody lined up and we did the thing and it was great. And I just, I don't know. It was just it was special but I can't tell you anything that was said I can't even tell you my exact age but I'm thinking nine or ten and I know it was Jamie Lively and I know it was a Camp John Spear whenever I was like hey yeah yeah that sounds really good (laughs) it's really interesting because you have really the whole or a large part of the community of faith all helping and people that you could go to to talk to ask questions help you with yeah, um, scripture and different things like that. So it was really a group contribution uh, to help you along, Jessica, as you began a relationship with God. That's pretty fascinating. That's probably the community of faith at its best. Community is definitely the right word. Yeah. It's definitely the right word. <laughs> so, Jessica, not every person has had the opportunity, the blessings that you have uh, to have that community of faith, nurture you, help you grow, be available to ask your questions. What 
what words do you have for for young mothers, young parents, young farmers, young people, just people out in the world that are searching for answers, searching for guidance, searching for solid ground and can't find it? What would you what advice would you give them as a Christian? Um I feel like it could be very overwhelming for someone who I feel like I was just born this way. Like I I mean, granted, I'm not saying I didn't have a choice, mm -hmm. but um I'm thankful, extremely thankful for the way I was brought up and that I was exposed to all of this, all of this community, all of these amazing, amazing people. And um, I just think it can be very overwhelming um, for someone who isn't quite sure, I guess. Um, and, you know, I know going to church is important, but I feel like you can have church anywhere. You can have church in your car. You can have church, you know, in your house, in the tractor, wherever you want to have church at, out in your yard. And I just, though church is important, Congregation is important. The community, but that's important. You have people, you know, to lean on um, in that sense. But I think for someone who who's new to it or trying to explore it, start start small, and that's so big at the same time. You know, yeah, just picking up the Bible and reading it, you would learn so much. And the internet is a wonderful thing and you know you can tune into online services you know and find someone who you're comfortable to talk to when that time comes you know if you're ready and some people may just you know go to a church and find somebody they are comfortable talking with but I just I think until you read it and you you understand you know that Jesus is Lord like it's kind of tricky until you just have that peace that, well, yeah, this is it. This is what we're living for. You know, there's an end goal here. So start small, keep seeking, be intentional, and find just people. Just know it's that... okay to not know everything. <laughs> <laughs> Says the one who's been so hard on herself about chores in the house so extend that grace out and the world will be a better place for sure mm -hmm. even though if you don't know the words jesus knows you know he knows what because sometimes i'm like i just i need to talk to him but i don't have the words but i know i find comfort and i find peace that he knows mm -hmm. he knows what's on our hearts and minds that's what i've always been taught and told and read and reach to about you know <laughs> is that comforting uh or discouraging knowing that when we can't articulate what what's happening inside or what we may be thinking do you find that frustrating or is that comforting knowing that god understands i think it depends on what it is um but i think at first it could be very like frustrating um, like, I don't understand or, you know, there's um little, you know, personal story here that I'm learning to more to talk about because it's not talked about much. 
Um, but postpartum depression is a thing. And it's, you're embarrassed to be like, hey, you know, I'm sad. And I just had a baby like two weeks ago. Why am I sad? This is supposed to be the happiest time of my life. You know, and I had a hard time with that. I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it. And um, it just, I just knew that it, he would take care of me. That he would, he understood. I couldn't put into words while I was feeling what I was feeling. I loved my daughter, but I just, my world was flipped upside down. And I just wanted to sit and cry all the time. <laughs> and I remember, um, calling my dad and he he was at work you know he has a um, he's on a full-time pastor um so he had he works for the state um and he was at work and I called him I think it was a Friday and I was already crying before he answered the phone and I he said hello and I was crying he said what's wrong I said I can't stop crying he said I know he said I knew something was the matter a few days ago like he already knew before I knew and I guess that's a parent you know mom or dad and I was like what is wrong with me like why am I feeling this way like this is crazy like and nobody talks about it because it's I mean you're kind of ashamed hmm. to feel that way after the most magical thing in the world just happened like you're pregnant with this baby for all this time and you're like oh yeah we're so excited and then boom there they are <laughs> <laughs> And it's just, you know, the yesterday that you knew is gone. I mean, it's not the same. Nothing is the same. And it was just, and I've gotten so much better with it now. I mean, thanks to God. And a little bit of med medication, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's just, I just want that too. I know a lot of people, like you said, listen. And, you know, that's something I was embarrassed to say I was going through. And uh, I just want people to know women, not people, but women to know, like, it's okay. And, this, you know, I just knew God knew, like, he just knew, like, he knew that was going to happen to me probably before I even had her. But it just, it will, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just did not understand. I didn't know how to put it into words. And I just know that he just, he knew. I just had to find comfort that he knew. And he was going to comfort me and give me peace. Jessica, so help me, what can we do for those who know someone that is experiencing postpartum depression, and how can, how can someone also find help when they're having postpartum depression? Um, I guess that's a twofold question, so you choose the one that you want to address first, but... And I know not everybody is as blessed as I am to have such a support system because um, I called my mother-in-law before, or my mother-in-law might have called me. I don't remember. Um, but before my dad, and uh, I just started crying on the phone with her. And she was like, oh, honey, what, what's your, I'll be right over. She lives like two minutes away from us. I'm coming right now. I'm bringing you a chocolate chip cookie from Chick-fil-A <laughs> that I bought. And I'm, I'm coming over right now. And I want, I'm going to take the baby. I want you to go outside and read a book, you know, get in the shower, just move. She said, <laughs> <laughs> and um, but I have a support system like no other. Um, 
I'm sure other families, you know, how you feel about your family. Like, no one's family is better than mine, but I'm sure we know <laughs> other people have good families. <laughs> I have a really good support system. Um, and it was very hard for me to talk about it at first, but I just pray that if a woman's going through that, they can find somebody that will support them and not be like, well, why do you feel that way? You know, I just couldn't imagine having a spouse or an in-law or a parent or a friend to say, well, why do you feel that way? You just had a baby. Like, I don't know how that would make me feel going through such your hormones are just all over the place. And, you know, you're taking care of a whole human, like a whole nother one. Like my husband, it's so funny. He'll go, she looks like a little human. Look at her. I'm like, she is a human. She's not an alien. <laughs> He's like, well, I know, but she's, you know, she looks like a little human. But I just, I just pray. And I, I don't know. I know there's some, how many resources out there and definitely in bigger cities and things that you know groups for people who are experiencing or women who are experiencing postpartum depression um I would just try to seek those groups out seek those positive people out find someone that understands it's been there because the baby blues and postpartum depression are completely two different things and I did not know that I thought I had baby blues and then they never went away. <laughs> so <laughs> um, so uh, just, just to recap, um, cause this is a serious thing. I don't, I don't want to, you know, like just gloss over it. Oh, so, I know. I know. Um, so for a woman seek out help or a mother seek out help. If you don't find it in first person, keep seeking out help until you find it because it's you know, your doctor. I mean, that's obviously what I did too. And I'm blessed in that aspect too. Um, I have an amazing doctor who has actually asked, she said, can I pray with you? Well, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like I, I'm just, I'm blessed to have all these people in my court on my side. Mm. Um, and I just, you know, any new mom or any mom in general, like I'll talk to them, like call me up. I mean, granted, we're not putting my phone number out here. We already don't have this discussion, but just look me up. <laughs> I'll talk to you. Yeah. Well, I'm not a trained professional, but I have experience. <laughs> well, that, that's a wonderful offer, Jessica. What about the, what about the other end, the um, support group? You know, um, spouse, um, the, uh, family, coworkers, neighbors, friends. How can we help? How can we help someone who is going through that? Well, and I read something on Facebook one day and um, my husband's grandmother actually asked me about it. Um, but it said, I think the, the header or the caption or whatever said, take care of the mother um, and, or hold the mother maybe. And don't quote me on that. I may be wrong, but something, something that realm. But it was like, you know, everybody comes over. Well, let me hold the baby. You know, let me hold the baby. You want me to change the baby? You want me to, you know, the baby's going to be taken care of by mom and dad. And I know everybody's excited, you know, mm. about the baby. Everybody. But <laughs> um, we kind of get looked over. Like, and I'm not talking negatively about anybody at all, but whenever you're going through all these emotions and these hormones and all this, you kind of just feel like you were the incubator. Like you grew this human for nine months. Everybody was worried about you for nine months, you know, 
oh, don't do this, don't do that, you know, and, and I was so, I mean, I was thankful, and I would get frustrated, because I'm very independent, but, and I was like, I can do it, I am pregnant, not disabled, like, I can do it, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and then you have this baby, and you bring this baby home, and then everything's about the baby, mm. and everything, to me, Corbin was already about the baby, she was already having plenty enough love for mom and dad, and like, I'm, I just, like hold the mother, make sure the mom's okay. You know, let her know that it's okay if your house is messy. Like, I'm not going to judge you. Let me do a load of laundry. Like my mother-in-law, she did all of her laundry. It was great. Like she would just take it home with her. And it, that was great. It helped me out a lot. But like, I would be like, oh my gosh, people are coming over here. This house looks like a pigsty. And it really was not that bad. But to me, <laughs> that's just the person I am. <laughs> and it just... You know, and um, I had to have a C-section and due to her heart rate dropping all of a sudden. But, um, and that recovery is like awful. Mm. Like they do not tell you how bad that one hurts, but it hurts. Um, <laughs> and it just was hard for me to do anything. And it just, I was frustrated at that. And then, you know, I wanted everybody to come see the baby, but I was just like, it was just kind of like, oh, how are you, Jess? Oh, I'm good. How's Iris? Yeah, she doing this or you know, and I, I I love my family, but even in general, I know other moms experience that, and it's hard to it's hard to understand it unless you've been there, or if it's been a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of years since you've had a baby. But you do kind of feel looked over as the the new mom, like you grew this human, you were the incubator, she's here now or he's here now. Let's focus on you'll be fine, you know. All right. So for those of us who did not birth the baby. We need to pay attention to the mother as well. Don't neglect the mother. Got it. Well, as I mean, it's a very joyful time, but you know, you're only in the fourth trimester. I think that's what they call it, or the fifth, or whatever. How many trimesters are they? Because I don't really remember anymore. I have mom brain. <laughs> anyway, I think it's like the fourth trimester or whatever, the fifth. I don't know. You're only in that for a short period of time you'll get through it, but it, it would, it's so nice to have people who look after you because that baby is going to be here. We pray for years and years to love on, you know, but I want to be in that state, fingers crossed, praise to God, you know, hope a short period of time, you know, like she's going to have time to be loved on. He's going to have time, his whole life to be loved on her, her own whole life to be loved on. But you know, that mom, like that's a huge change. Like all of a sudden, you know, like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> what is helping you now to be the top-notch mom that you are and for you to heal physically and, and emotionally and spiritually? Like I said before, you know, having that support group um, and like I said before, a little medication. <laughs> and um but I've just had to learn you know what I'm doing is enough um I'm definitely a lot better than I was um but just knowing and I think any parent can understand this but like all of my needs out the door all of my wants out the door I do not care what I want what I need like I do not care I just want everything for her. I want 
I mean, anything. I just, and just knowing that she needs me, like, and my husband, you know, she needs my husband as well, but like, she needs me to make her bottles. She needs me to clean her little tushy. She needs me to rock her to sleep. You know, she needs me to put her little passy in her mouth. She can't do anything. She just lays there and smiles <laughs> and uh, and rolls on her side, not to her belly, it rolls to her side. And, you know, I have to remember to give her her little acid reflux medicine. And it's just, I feel like once you kind of get over that hump of all the hormones and all the emotions and your, your depression or your baby blues, whichever, I hope, you know, people don't get it at all. We should just go away, but it happens. Um, you kind of just, oh, okay, well, she needs me or he needs me. And you just like snap out of it. And it's just your life now. And I'm pretty sure I don't even remember what your original question was, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, one day Iris may listen to your faith journey on the Cumberland Road. Somewhere she'll find it out and in the metaverse, the, you know, the internet. So this is an opportunity for you to share some words of wisdom and speak to the future. Iris, what would you want her to know about you, about how important faith is in your life? What message would you want to send to her? Well, the first thing I'm going to say, and it may not even go towards either of those faith or myself, but it's something that my dad has taught me and I have said it over and over and over again. Um, but when you don't know what to do, don't do anything at all. If you don't know the decision you want to make, don't make a decision. You know, even if, you know, prom dress, she's a girl, wedding dress. If you don't know, don't buy the dress. Don't buy the shoes if you just don't know. So, so make decisions or, or act in confidence or, yes, or don't, man. don't at all. Okay. Yes. And I hope, you know, that her faith comes as easy as mine did, but you know, everybody's different. She may have doubts, you know, you never know. I mean, it's when you reach that age and you're like, well, you know, there, there's God, we don't see God, like, it's hard to, you know, for them to, how do we know he's real, you know, it's hard, to, well, you gotta have faith, you gotta, you know, and you're just like, it's hard to explain that to a little kid, I think, or even a teenager sometimes, you know, definitely, because in today's world, everyone knows, like, it is not the way it was, even whenever I was in elementary school, and I'm only 25 years old, like, this world's crazy sometimes, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I just, and I worry, you know, about her being bullied. And I think about all this stuff. I asked uh, Corbin the other night, you think we need a homeschooler? <laughs> and, and, and this is just his personality. And if, if you knew Corbin, and he didn't mean anything by this at all. He's like, well, I don't know. He goes, I don't want her to be weird. And I'm not saying that homeschool kids are weird at all. I'm friends with several and they're perfectly fine. I said, well, I'm weird. And I went to public school. <laughs> He goes, I don't know. And I'm like, well, we have several years to figure it out. But I just, I just wanted to know, like, today may seem terrible, awful. You're never going to get through it. You'll get through it. And you'll look back and you'll remember not want, not thinking you're going to be able to get through it, but you'll get through it. And then you'll be okay. Iris, I hope one day you listen to this 
and have the opportunity to get words of encouragement from your mother in the past. <laughs> <laughs> She'll probably think you really are crazy after listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there may be phases there. Yeah, but maybe she'll come around full circle. Uh, I hope so, and I pray so. Jessica, thank you for being so open and so vulnerable and so honest in in our conversation to share about you and your life, your faith, your marriage, motherhood, church, and everything that we covered. It really has been so encouraging to share this time with you and and I hope others who listen are moved by your faith and and about your life and your perspective as I've been. Uh, Just, I just remember this preteen and teenager sitting among all us old people in Presbytery meeting. And when I say old, old people, I mean me specifically. I'm not talking about anybody else. But we were all older than you in that room and in those meetings. I was like eight, nine, probably (laughs) younger. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm so old, I can't even remember that far back. So there you go. Jessica, thank you so much uh, for allowing me to be a part of your life and for taking time out of your life to share your faith. Absolutely. I find it an honor. I remember even telling you when you called me on the phone that day, like, why does he want me to do this? Like, I do not like live up to any of those people that he interviews, like, or has a conversation with. (laughs) Like, oh my goodness. Like what? I'm not interested. These people are smart. (laughs) I don't know what I'm supposed to say. (laughs) Like, I just, I don't know. I just, in my head, I'm like, well, they're in ministry. And then I had to tell myself, like, well, I'm in ministry, too. I was called to ministry as a young child, and I know we're ending this thing, but just a different type of ministry, I think, than what most people are called to, perhaps. I'm not one. I don't feel I need to be in front of a church. I'm kind of on the side lines, you know. (laughs) We're called to ministry. Our roles and our gifts just vary. That's what makes it beautiful. And your gifts make the community of faith beautiful. And that's why I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear your faith journey and share it. So thank you, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Cumberland Road. If you or someone you know, a family member or a friend who may be experiencing postpartum depression, talk with your doctor. Also, if you are like me, and you don't know where to begin, there's a website called postpartumdepression.org. There you can find information and support, treatment and recovery. Thanks for listening.